Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Recorded live.
Well, welcome, everybody. It is another version of the outrage that continues off-road live with the Baja crew. That's right. Everybody's present today. Everybody's here. We cannot wait for this show. Long time coming. This is your humble host, Monster Mike. We are in the Desert Tower Studios in the big, bad desert. We welcome your participation in this March 19th, 2018, Fox Sports affiliate, radio affiliate, Off-Road Live. This, this version is dedicated to uh, Baja Racing Hall of Fame. We uh, took another member in this weekend down in San Jose del Cabo, and we'll talk about that later on. But let's mention that we have friends in our, uh, our audience. We have friends in our studio, and that is Ram Trucks. Hard Rock, Marlboro, Red Bull, Budweiser, and, of course, our favorite Baja Racing Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. We have Igor K. of Baja Sun Films on tap in just moments. for tuning in, everybody. First, our recreation news. Well, the Ocotillo Wells general plan is uh, it's a, it's a year or so late, but it will be available to the public very soon. And, of course, it'll go up for public discussion and approval later on this year. So stay tuned. We will talk all about Ocotillo Wells recreation plan uh, that's been long overdue. Uh, there was court action involved and a whole bunch of other policy matters. But finally, the Ocotillo Wells Recreation Plan is on tap. You're listening live to Off-Road Live. Igor K. with Baja Sun Films is next. That's okay, but let me do a number. 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 Let me do
Monster Mike, live from the Desert Tower Studios in the Big Bad Desert, off-road live. We want to welcome a very special guest to the show this good day in the Big Bad Desert, and it is Igor K. of Baja Sun Films. Igor, welcome to Off-Road Live. Thank you. Good afternoon to you, Monster Mike. Thank you, sir. Well, uh, let's get on with it. Let's. I mean, this is so much fun. There's just there's nothing but F U N involved in uh, all the stuff that you're doing, uh, Igor. I can't wait to tell everybody about it. I'm sure you know some of the muckety mucks out there. They they know about well, what you're doing and uh, where this uh, great project is going. But I would like to allow you a couple of minutes, as much time as you need. Please introduce yourself, your background, and your wonderful project, Legends of Baja. Well, uh, yeah, so my name is Igor. I am the producer of this uh, project, and uh, uh, it's a multifaceted project. First, uh, we completed a short film, which has been uh, submitted to several festivals, and I am happy to say we have uh, now pulled off a three-peat, uh, where we, uh, the first three festivals that we entered, a couple of them we were actually invited to, and we won in our category in all three of those, so that was very exciting. And uh, now currently we're kind of uh, retooling the short film to do, uh, the ultimate goal is to do a feature-length documentary on it. And uh, if, uh, you know, your listeners don't know yet, it's basically a film that's uh, centered around this vintage footage that we got from the 1969 Mexican 1000 race. Uh, it's 16 millimeter film footage that's really never been seen before except for a little short film that also kind of made the festival circuit back in 1970 about a year after it was shot by my partner and director Jack Cooperman uh, they cut together uh, a little promo, a little short film and uh, basically uh, entered in some festivals and we're looking for you know, funding to do uh, the full feature, which is kind of where we are now, uh, 50 years later, almost 50 years. Well, yeah. Igor, uh, we we must uh, uh, tell the background. Uh, you and I have gotten together, as a matter of fact, we spent all day Saturday together at uh, Bruce Myers' uh, private residence and shop uh, for his celebration of the 92nd uh, birthday of Bruce Myers of Meyer Manx fame, and we'll we'll talk about that separately. But uh, continuing on uh, focusing on the Legends of Baja project, uh, when do you anticipate that the that the public will see anything new other than uh, what uh, they see on your YouTube page, your social media, and uh, as a matter of fact, I saw the Bruce Men- uh, Bryce Menzies. Um, interview on your uh, YouTube page just this morning. Wonderful piece, and and I love that you're matching up some of the uh, modern, uh, recent uh, news interest uh, in your uh, material. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not only we're not just reviving this long lost film. We've uh, gone to uh, Baja races, and as you just mentioned, uh, up in Vegas, the Mint 400, and. Uh, We've interviewed uh, several of the modern people, and Bryce Menzies, that was a really good get. He was he was literally the last guy that we finally found on the day that we were doing these interviews. And, of course, uh, the next day he ended up winning first place overall, the 50th anniversary Mint 400. Yeah, that's uh, it's a wonderful get. And um, and it was a, a great event. Contingency was uh, wonderful. I loved two days of contingency, uh, and of course um, uh, the uh, spectacular uh, desert off-road race, namely the uh, Mint 400 uh, out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, what now? Let's talk just very briefly about uh, what is the next event you're planning to be at, just in case someone wants to meet and greet with you, if they want to offer an invitation to get a hold of you and, and start uh, promoting your work and your project. Uh, where is your next public appearance yourself to do uh, uh, this kind of coverage? 
well, uh, we are still waiting to hear whether we've been accepted and whether we won anything from a couple of other uh, film festivals. Uh, as far as uh, here in America, there's really only two more that we're waiting an answer on, but we've also submitted internationally. Uh, the next big event that's coming up, of course, is the annual uh, Mexican 1000 rally at the end of April. So, uh, you know, there's plans being made uh, to go there. There's also there's another really interesting event that I've gone to pretty much every summer for the last uh, couple of years, two, three years, and that is the Friends of Steve McQueen Auto and Motorcycle Show up in uh, the Boys Benefiting the Boys Republic in Chino Hills. Are you familiar with that? I'm not. Tell us about it. Well, uh, the short story is that a long time ago when Steve McQueen was uh, a boy, a troubled youth, uh, if you may, uh, he did, uh, you know, some uh, stuff that crazy kids do back then and uh, got into a heap of trouble where eventually he ended up, somehow wound up in the juvenile, you know, court and detention system and was eventually sent to this establishment. It's called Boys Republic, and that's where they send uh, boys, young boys, who are wards of the state, meaning there's, uh, from what little I understand about the legality of that term, I think it means that there was no parent or legal guardian, you know, to to take custody of the child once he was convicted or acquitted of the crimes or whatever it is that he was done, and there was just, you know, nowhere to send him. So there was this uh, this place established, and Steve spent, uh, from what I understand, from historical records, a good uh, couple of years in there, and it really affected him, you know. And then later, when he became a big famous movie star, he remembered that and he supported it. He, uh, uh, you know, it was he was one of the early you know, big movie stars that had a specific charity which was dear to him and his heart, which he supported throughout his life. And uh, even after his death, uh, he established uh, a fund and a trust and uh, organization called the Friends of Steve McQueen, and they continue to support that school to this day. They do wonderful things with these boys. They teach them skills. There's... uh, uh, schooling involved, uh, trade skills, there's a workshop. I know one thing they do is every year they make these beautiful wreaths that they distribute uh, around Christmas time and, uh, you know, other uh, holiday type of stuff. But uh, a lot of what that uh, school does is not just house the boys and, you know, quote, unquote, try to rehabilitate them, but it actually teaches them valuable skills, whether it's in the mechanic shop, which is a big part of it. Uh, and that's why the Friends of Steve McQueen annually host a big auto motorcycle show there. All these great uh, people with these vintage cars show up, and they line up, and it's big. I mean, it's big. The grounds where they hold it at in Chino Hills are huge, and literally thousands of cars are there. Uh, also, every, every year uh, there's always, always a big contingency of um, cars and motorcycles that were actually owned and driven by Steve McQueen himself. That's amazing. And you've attended this. What date is it for this year? Uh, you know, i got to look it up. And uh, while I punch it up here, I'll tell you a little bit about it the last couple of times that uh, we attended. It's Please, because uh, there are folks who uh, listen to our show who would love to uh, support such a great charity. Yeah, it's uh, uh, in Chino Hills. It's uh, uh, usually in June. Let me see what year. Sure. As uh, Let me vamp a little bit here. Uh, welcome, everybody. We're, uh, if you're just tuning in, we're on Off-Road Live, the genuine, original Off-Road Live. Uh, we have a very special guest on the line, uh, Igor K. of Baja Sun Films. And, of course, we're talking about the Legends of Baja Project as well as some other matters. Uh, and uh, this is your humble host, Monster Mike. Uh, it is another weekly show. We're on every Monday, 4 West, 7 East. And, of course, we are a 
Fox Sports Radio affiliate. Back to Igor. So this year it is, you know what, I almost got it right just off the top of my head. I went last year, and it was June 2nd, and I'm looking at their current website. The 2018 schedule says exactly the same thing. It's on Saturday, June 2nd, and uh, it will be, let me see here, the theme this year is 50th anniversary of Bullets. Right, uh, and Ford has announced that that you know they've they've already rolled out their 50th anniversary vehicle yeah. in celebration of that. And uh, uh, I I understand that there's going to be a re-release of Bullet, the film. The film? You mean the film itself? Yes. Uh, yeah, I can certainly see that. I don't know that it was actually ever available on Blu-ray or DVD before. Perhaps it was, but I'm sure they can do a new you know, modern 4K transfer and all that. But I got to tell you, over the last couple of years, almost religiously, there's always a line of green fastback Mustangs lined up there (laughs) that look just like the one from the movie. Well, and are you familiar with the story of the the Cabo Bullet? No. Uh, If you go on to uh, Baja Racing News or Off-Road Live and just put in the search uh, engine there, the Cabo Bullet, the original driven uh, Mustang has been found in a boneyard in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. <laughs> Imagine that. That, that, vehicle, that vehicle has been returned to the United States, and what we understand was uh, when Ford announced the uh, new bullet Mustang, that older vehicle was the star of the show at the Detroit uh, Car Show uh, just several months ago, and uh, it will be in full function, uh, we've been told by Warner Brothers, uh, and it will be in full function on the re-release of the, of the 50th anniversary of the film Bullet. Wow, that's crazy. I would have thought that that car was in some rich collector's hands for all these years. I mean, it's got nothing to do with off-road racing. It's amazing that it ended up in Cabo. It ended up in Cabo in a boneyard and just uh, hit in the search engine there, Cabo Bullet on Off-Road Live or BajaRacingNews.com. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't want to uh, interrupt. So the next public appearance, uh, at least the, uh, the one that is on June 2nd on Saturday, you'll be in attendance. Yes, we're definitely going to go there. Like I said, I've gone there every every year. It's a wonderful time. Uh, Chad McQueen, Steve McQueen's son, uh, is uh, usually there judging some of the, you know, picture cars that uh, compete in uh, different classes, uh, and he gives out the trophies. Uh, The trophies that they give out at that auto show are all handmade by the students in Boys Republic. So it's a wonderful event. Chad is always there, and he's he's just a really nice guy. He's he he looks just like his dad. I mean, he's just the image of McQueen. He's so cool. He talks to everyone and takes lots of selfies and signs dozens of autographs. And you know, he he really spends his whole day there. Uh, a couple of times, he brought his son there, Stephen R. McQueen who is also a racer in his own right, not a professional racer, but he does race motorcycles just like his grandfather did. And, of course, he's a famous actor now, having gotten his original fame on uh, the Twilight series. And now, of course, he's uh, on a show that's running, I think they're in their fourth or fifth or sixth season now. It's called Chicago, um, Chicago Burn. You did Burt Chicago. It's about firemen in Chicago. What is that? Chicago? Oh, okay. Chicago now, uh, now, Chicago? Igor, I know the one of the first questions uh, that comes up in a lot of these uh, Baja uh, uh, folks' minds is how did how was the the footage that you have in your possession? How was that first generated? Why was there a camera and a director? And you know, w- how did that all start? Well, uh, I'll tell you, uh, um, Jack Cooperman, uh, who is a renowned uh, Hollywood cinematographer, uh, he spent many years doing a lot of live-action photography, so that was his passion, to do stuff 
underwater, in the desert, rigging up cars, helicopters, airplanes, and all that. And he had his uh, production company. He was shooting a lot of stuff for ABC's Wide World of Sports in uh, the mid-'60s. This is actually before he went on to shoot a lot of action sequences for famous Hollywood films like Top Gun and uh, several Star Trek movies and uh, so far and so forth. But uh, back then, he was a young guy with his young crew, and these guys loved the challenge. And uh, they, a couple of them, including Jack, were also racing enthusiasts themselves. He had raced with McQueen just, you know, not for a film or anything, but just offhand, uh, in, in Baja, in the desert, and in California, in the desert, a couple of times. And, uh, you know, by the time 69 race came about, uh, it was, you know, quite the, the thing. You know, it started in 67 with, I think, only about, what, 40 cars or something like that. And by 69, they had over 200 entries, and James Garner was in it for the second year with one of his cars, and McQueen was in it driving this ultimate, iconic, Baja, badass car called the Baja Boot. So Jack's initial idea was, you know, we're going to go down there, we're going to shoot, you know, now we that uh, we have a couple of movie stars there. Uh, his idea was always to do a feature, to kind of embed himself into you know, the racing culture and the people and uh, the lives that they do. So that's what they did. The crew, uh, you know, followed the race all the way from Ensenada, all the way down to La Paz. Uh, they came out there ahead of time. And, oh, he used to tell these stories. You know, back then there was, of course, no roads, no airports, no gas stations. You know, once you're past, uh, what was it, El Rosario, the first checkpoint, there was there was nothing. Just and, cattle uh, trails. Yeah, yeah. And wa- and wagon roads. Yeah, so, you know, he 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 told me about, you know, what they had to go through. He said, you know, first we had to bring airplane fuel there and these big, you know, 50-gallon drums. Then we had to, you know, take them somewhere down there, hide them in the middle of somewhere in the desert where a plane could land. Of course, there was no landing strips or anything, but there was a bit of a dry lake bed, I guess, which is still there. And they would go out on their own buggies and kind of scout it out. Uh, you know, these days everybody pre-runs the course. Back then, nobody knew what was ahead. Unless you've already done it once, you didn't know what was coming up. And uh, they went out and they scouted the locations. They brought the fuel. They buried it. They had to secure it so that it would be there a month later when the, the race goes through town. Because, you know, this was still, even in the 60s, man, the Baja Desert was still the Wild West. Well, you know? as a matter of fact, there there are many uh, in the business, including myself, who think that the Wild West still exists in Baja, California. And uh, just as a frame of reference, uh, Igor, uh, an acquaintance of mine by the name of Hutch, who has since passed, great guy, uh, Hutch, uh, told me a story on one of our trips down the peninsula that in the 70s they wanted to go him and a buddy uh, on a you know they wanted to catch some surf but they wanted to do something a little different so they hopped in their uh, pickup truck loaded it up with their gear and equipment and boards and they wanted to go on a surfing trip to Cabo San Lucas Mexico it took them a month to get to Cabo in their pickup truck. They stayed quite some time, exhausted almost all their their funds, but by the time they knew they had to start coming back on their way back, they ended up uh, needing an alternator in Guerrero Negro. They couldn't go any farther without a a new alternator. Uh, They could not fix the alternator at Guerrero Negro, at which time the mechanic told them the bad news. It would take four weeks for them to get the part, meaning they had to get a room, and that meant they had to get jobs. And they were there for four weeks under a roof with uh, new employment because they had run out of all their money. By the time the part got there, yeah, they crossed the border a couple of weeks later, but that's the way it was, and that was the 70s. So you can imagine how primitive 
Baja California was in the 60s. Primitive and dangerous. You know, I mean, besides the brutal elements of the desert with the snakes and the scorpions and the chupacabras, you know, <laughs> there, was, there, there was banditos. There were still banditos out there roaming around. So, well, you know, some, would, some would say there's more banditos now than there were then. Yeah, but now these are, you know, cartels. These are organized. It's, it has to do with drugs and stuff. Back then, they were just, you know, they were they were banditos, man. They were like, we don't need no stinking badges. We just take your stuff right now. And- right. Well, in, in today's terms, I think those would be called entrepreneurs. Yes. <laughs> Freelancers, yeah. That's the that's the new business in town. Well, yeah. very exciting, uh, Igor. Um, and now, how did you come across this wonderful project? Well, uh, Jack and I have known each other for more than ten years now, and uh, he's still uh, semi-involved. He he still lectures and teaches uh, cinematography to. Uh, uh, advanced students of uh, AFI. That was his alma mater as well, I, I think. And uh, he is also on the board of the Rim of the World Historical Society, uh, which is up there in Big Bear Lake Arrowhead area. And originally he came to me with a project. They were doing a little uh, setup and presentation. They have a little museum there, and he wanted to make a little movie about all the different films that were shot up there up in Arrowhead and Crestline and, you know, uh, uh, Fawnskin and all the different areas up there. And believe it or not, there was hundreds of movies that used uh, that area's locations, starting from the silent era. And so I did that little project for him, and then over the years there was a few more and a couple more, and then one day he just, uh, he was, he came down off the mountain, which is a very rare occurrence for Jack these days, but he came down, and uh, there was an event going on in Hollywood. I don't remember what it is. He asked me if I wanted to go to it. It had something to do with uh, cinematography and something like that. So I went, and he uh, opens up this box, and uh, he says, you know, uh, I got this little film here. Why don't you take a look at it and see, you know, what you think uh, we could do with it. And in the box was a 16-millimeter print uh, of a you know what looked like a short film, like one reel, probably not more than about ten minutes long, and an old three-quarter inch videotape, which he told me was the transfer of that film. Now you know I didn't exactly jump right on it. I had no idea what this was. I think he might have told me just kind of briefly that this is some 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 racing footage that he shot or something like that. He might have even said the word Baja, but there was nothing mentioned of you know, McQueen or Garner or Pardelli Jones or Mike Nesmith or Mickey Thompson or any of the big names that ended up being in this film, much to my surprise. And so I didn't do much with it. I kind of sat on it for a few months, and then finally I I, I opened it up, and uh, I realized that, well, in order for me to see what it is, I'm going to have to go into my deep, deep storage space and dig out my old 16-millimeter projector, which I did which didn't work anymore because I haven't used it since the 80s, probably. And my next step was, well, let me see if I can at least look at this videotape. So I had to uh, hunt down an old three-quarter-inch machine, and uh, I put it in there, and sure enough, lo and behold, I'm looking at this. There's a professional slate on it. Uh, The slate says that uh, the film was transferred in 1992, and there was two versions of a short film on it, uh, one was about eight minutes long. I was about 14. Uh, most of both films had the same footage on it, but uh, the longer one had some extra stuff. And long story short, I kind of looked at it and I saw it. And I'm like, wow. I First of all, I've never seen any footage of that quality from that era. You know, mostly what you see from 60s, 70s is very grainy stuff, whether it was shot on 16mm or 8mm back then. It was generally done with not professional, you know, crew and and stuff. And uh, there is a little bit, there's some good footage out there uh, from 68 race that Bruce Brown shot. And Jack knew Bruce Brown. In fact, they both worked together and uh, separately, competitively and together. 
uh, for ABC and other, you know, radical sports features and stuff. And so was, was Bruce was Bruce Brown a part of the crew that Jack chose? No, he was oh, not okay. part of uh, Jack's crew. But Jack, I think, heard that Bruce Brown shot some footage in behind '68 which may have been the original spark that gave him the idea to go and do it and do it better and do it bigger, and that's what he did. He brought Understood. a national Hollywood crew. He brought uh, air, He brought an airplane. He brought a helicopter and chase vehicles. And like I said, you know, uh, the difference was between Bruce Brown and his crew, just, you know, guys with a silent camera, you know, it was like there's no sync sound in any of their stuff. And, you know, just kind of getting stuff on the fly versus Jack's that was really, really thought out, planned out, scouted, and shot with much more sophisticated equipment. So I can say irrevocably that unless there's some mystery box in somebody's garage or somebody's attic, there is no better quality and no, like, you know, no further, deeper level of coverage that exists from 67 or 68 or 69 or even 70 and 71 races. Because over the last couple of years working on this project, I've really, really scoured the Internet looking for every other little clip and photo that exists, and I think I've pretty much seen it all, and none of it looks as good as our stuff. And None of it, by the way, has Steve McQueen driving the famous, the infamous Baja Boot. Spectacular, uh, Igor. Absolutely spectacular. Now, just from brief conversations that we've had so far, um, you have not seen a great deal of this material. Oh, exactly. This is what, what keeps it going and is so exciting is that I have only been working from that original, you know, uh, the original videotape, which had two little short films on it, and that's all that was ever transferred. Now, we do have in the vault that's been there for nearly 50 years now, properly stored, I'm sure, in a temperature-controlled vault because, you know, Jack, like I said, he was a pro, and I know the original film was sealed properly in dark cans and airtight and everything, and it's still sitting there. And from the logbooks, which uh, I did get from Jack, the director, I have the logbooks that basically list everything that they shot over a couple of years. Now, mind you, it's not only the 69 Baja race that exists on these reels, but uh, uh, judging uh, from the logbooks, I noticed that uh, there was also a couple of other shoots that they did uh, for uh, Sears. They did a couple of Sears commercials. Uh, One of them uh, does have the famous shot of the Banshee kind of going through this huge jump, landing nose down. And I know I've seen that freeze frame many times online and everything is just such a spectacular shot of the second of uh, the Vic Hickey-built James Garner cars just going through it. So Jack shot the film in 69. He also did a couple of commercials and uh, I think some additional B-roll for something else because some of the footage, some of the logs say 69, some of them say 70, some of them say 71. Well, uh, in the logs, are there any citations, or did Jack mention in conversation at all, has he told you whether he attended the uh, uh, Starlight race or the, uh, you know, the 711 race or the um, early Mint 400 races in Las Vegas? You know, uh, no, he's never mentioned the Stardust or the Mint. Uh, He did mention, though, the Baja 500, so I think... I think the following year, uh, 70 or 71, I believe they shot some footage at uh, the Mexican Baja 500. I think it was the first 500 race that that took place. wasn't in 67 or 8 or I don't think even 9. I think it was 1970. Well, you you know that what's coming up uh, uh, this year for the Baja 500, the 50th anniversary race. Oh, so maybe it was, it's, uh, so I guess it wasn't in, in 68, that's when they ran the first 500? 
So it's very that is correct. So it's very possible that what he was talking about with you was the uh, was that year, the very first running. No, no, I don't think he shot anything in '68. Uh, oh, okay. We've, no, we've talked about this. The first time that he shot anything down there was '69, but I think there's some footage in our film from either the 1970 or the '71 Baja 500. Oh, okay. But the bulk of our footage is really from this '69 uh, ra- uh, race. And let me tell you, when I say bulk, I mean we have, I think the count is something like 87 reels of film. And, uh, you know, some of them are uh, these little uh, 100-foot reels because they were loaded in what he called gun cams. You know, those were like the crash cams that were in the cars and in planes. And some 80, are, 87 reels at 100 feet? Well, no. Only a small portion of them would be 100 feet. Some of them would be 400-foot reels. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Even at a conservative estimate, uh, judging by what you get, on a 100-foot roll, I think you only get about uh, three and a half, maybe five minutes of running time of film at 24 frames a second. On a 400-foot roll from... Well, I remember doing the math. I think you get up to about 20 minutes. Now, even if these rolls aren't, you know, all the way full, some of them might be short ends. But even in a conservative estimate, I guesstimate that there is at least 20-plus hours of previously unseen raw footage out there in the vault. Well, Igor, now I know why when you were mentioning that there's pro- – you were – you've had – well, I, I'm going to put it the, the best I can. You've – dream of Ariel Steve McQueen in the Baja boot. Yes. Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. The only shot that they put of him uh, in the short film that I have transferred is the starting line. There's a little bit of him kibitzing around with his co-driver and kind of in the car and then there's the famous peel-out shot of him coming off the starting line. But as far as like the rest of the aerial and the chase vehicle scenes in these 14 or so minutes that I have in my possession, I've looked and looked, and there's certainly some vehicles which you can't really identify because they're shot from very, very far away and they're covered by dust. But from what I can tell, there's not a shot of the boot actually driving in this transfer. Now, I'm sure that, you know... (laughs) They they would have followed him at least for the first, you know, 100 miles or so from the starting line uh, because, you know, he was such a famous car and he was a famous driver. And we have lots of coverage uh, from the desert of James Garner's car, the Grabber. But in the short film that I have uh, at this point, there's only that starting line peel-out shot. And as far as I can tell, Nothing like that even exists online. Nobody else has any other footage. There are some photos of the boot floating around up there, and a couple of them actually show McQueen next to it. Uh, one famous one is uh, the black and white shot after they broke down. Him and Buddy is kind of sitting there next to this broken you know, car, and they're in the middle of the desert. They certainly look at the map or something, trying to figure out where where would we go to fix this thing? What's gonna? Where are we? And you know, it's a well, considering it, considering it's Bud Eakins, considering it's Steve McQueen, and considering it's the Bach boot, the what, what is considered in the industry, I, I think this is safe to say, one of the very first unlimiteds. In in this case, nowadays they're called trophy trucks, or at least uh, an unlimited vehicle at that time. And I've heard that that vehicle has been considered the, the godfather of trophy That that footage, in in my mind, any you know any photos, any images, any moving pictures, is absolute platinum. Yeah, it's the holy grail of. Uh off-road racing footage, and, uh, you know, uh, we have at the very least the the key shot of uh, McQueen and Eakins inside the car heading off the starlight. Now, 
Uh, we know for a fact that the boot did not win its first uh, three out of its first outings. In fact, I think the first time it won was actually the Baja 500. And I believe it was still with Bud Eakins at the wheel, but not 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 with McQueen. Maybe it was with McQueen, but it was after 69. Well, that vehicle time, was cutting-edge experimental. Yeah, yeah. It raced, it went out in 67, and something broke. And then it did it again in 68, and something else broke. And in our film, I know they broke about 200 miles into it. So that's why I'm, I'm thinking, you know, they must have been able to follow it from the starting line, at least for the first couple of hundred, you know, miles or so. And what I think is that because Jack was trying to sell this film as like, you know, well, it's an exciting race and here's who wins at the end. We do, by the way, find out who the overall winner is and who comes in second. And you can see that in that short film. I don't want to give it away because it's it's actually a beautiful little surprise at the end. But uh they, uh, you know, they they did, uh, they surely, they must have chased them. They must have followed them. So I know there's footage exists there, at least up until the time that he broke. And I think they just didn't want to include it in their little demo because he wants to look at a broken car back then, you know, racing. Well, and, and Steve McQueen was the preeminent luminary at the time. Exactly. So, you know... Uh, Jack put the best of spin that they could on it, and uh, rather than focusing on the fact that he broke, they, they kind of focused on the fact that he was even there and competed. And this car, yeah, this car, this was just, it was. Back then, it was the epitome of engineering. It was uh, designed by Vic Hickey, whose claim to fame uh, originally was, even before he became a GM designer, he was uh, the guy who designed the Lunar Rover for NASA. And the vehicle was uh, sponsored by um, George Hurst. Hurst, yes. Yes, I believe Hurst did the fabrication on it. Vic Hickey and Bud Eakins together uh, designed it. Drino Miller was the first guy to drive it. I think that was the 67 race. And uh, the car itself was solid, but they had some issues with the transmission. And uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I believe that the engine and possibly the transmission. I think that the mechanical motor engine parts were designed by Bill Strobe. Well, uh, absolutely. I mean, just platinum material, you know, the uh, uh, any kind of media. But even the storyline is absolutely spectacular. Um, so what is the your ultimate goal with Legends of Baja? Well, where we're at right now is the short film uh, is complete, and like I said, it's doing the festival rounds, and we're getting very, very good responses from it. Uh, we're trying to raise funds to transfer all that uh, other footage that's sitting in the vault and kind of cut a big documentary, full feature documentary out of it. And in the film, we're going to focus... Uh, a little bit, uh, you know, specifically on the friendship, the rivalry between McQueen and Garner that existed during those years. Uh, I know many people know that they raced in the, the Baja races, but I don't think they know the full story of how much all that, how, how that began, how it even came about, and how it affected their lives all the way from 1962 through 67. Yes, uh, I, I agree. I don't think I don't think that story is known, Igor. No, no. I mean, I'll tell you real fast. Here's what happened. The way they originally met is McQueen and Garner met on the set of uh, The Great Escape, which uh, that uh, that movie was huge. It was worldwide. It was one of the first, you know, big giant blockbusters. And uh, notably, McQueen did a lot of uh, his own uh, stunt driving in the film, riding motorcycles. He even doubled uh, by playing some of the Germans, just you know, riding these motorcycles. And although he is, um, he's sometimes falsely credited for doing the big jump at the end of the film, 60-foot high jump over the fence. Uh, he, in fact, did not make that jump, but Eakins actually did that jump. And McQueen and Eakins were already racing motorcycles in Europe and uh, in America and, you know, off-road and just all kinds of, you know, sanctioned, organized events. 
And so in 62, they're both working on this film. Uh, They meet each other. They both kind of came from the same area. They both started in television playing in uh, cowboy serials. Uh, Garner was most famous for a show called Maverick back in the 50s. And McQueen started on a, playing a cowboy show uh, called Dead or Alive. So in 62, they meet up. They strike up a beautiful friendship. They both, you know, revel in the fact that they both have these racing, uh, you know, uh, the fun that they do, and they did it together. And although Garner was more of a four-wheel guy, McQueen, you know, he raced everything, man. And he said, two wheels, four wheels, as long as it was fast, he was into it. So... Fast forward four years later, 1965, they're both auditioning for the lead role in another movie, which eventually became the giant blockbuster film called Grand Prix. And McQueen was very, very interested in playing the race car driver part in that film because it would have allowed him uh, some drive time on actual tracks uh, in Europe of Le Mans and uh, Sebring and other tracks, and to do some of his own tra- uh, driving right next to the professional you know, race car drivers of the era. And uh, he was really, really interested in that part. Well, long story short, he doesn't get the part. James Garner gets the part. It propels him into superstardom. And, of course, he got to do all his own driving. And McQueen was so jealous of that. That's really where friendship turned into rivalry. So he vowed to make his own racing film. It took him the next, God, four, five years to finally do the film, which became Le Mans. And in the end, I think we know this story, the studio did not allow him to drive in the film at all. And they pulled the funding, they changed directors, that movie was, oh, it, it took it, it took a lot out of McQueen's life. During the next few years, he was just hell-bent on doing this film, making it real, embedding yourself, you know, in the driving seat and with the drivers and everything. And there was all kinds of innovations that they did, how they filmed it, how they raced the cars. But the film ran long, ran into financial problems. It almost bankrupt McQueen. I believe it caused a divorce uh, in his life. And... He was just never able to recapture that racing glory on film, which uh, he felt should have been his in 1966. I think that's great. Yeah. Garner, in the meanwhile, you know, he comes off as a huge star after Grand Prix is released, and it's so successful. He then starts his own racing team. He had a couple of partners. Uh, they originally got some uh, specially built uh, Corvettes from GM, and they were racing those, and they were racing off-road. So in 68, Garner does his own racing film called The Racing Scene, which basically chronicled uh, that year of his uh, racing team uh, schedules, uh, which included the Baja 500. And I believe that's the footage that you're probably most familiar with when you see anything of James Garner, and it looks like he's not in the Grabber or the Banshee or any of the big kicky cars. He's in what looks like either a Rambler or he's in a kind of a Bronco or a Jeep-looking thing. And um, that's that, that's the footage from his own film, which came out in 1968. And then, of course, there's the famous Manx that James Garner and uh, Scooter Patrick drove in the early Stardust races, and uh, believe it or not, a big part of what I've been doing with this project is hunting down some of these cars and their new owners, and each one of them has a story. All three of the Garner cars have just incredible stories, uh, including, yeah, parts of it were found in junkyards. Somebody, you know, put an eBay ad for some old, you know, crashed-up race car. It ended up being the grabber and... uh, so on and so forth. We tracked down the new owners of the Scooter Patrick Garner Manx. Uh, that was the first time, actually, that that car has been seen completely restored at the 2015 uh, Mexican 1000 Rally. And Bruce Myers came out to that uh, that year as well. Well, he comes every year. But that year, 
Uh, it was the first time that he'd seen that car in, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years. And uh, we have some wonderful footage of him kind of walking around, looking at it, and making sure this is the original one. And he did. He he totally, uh, you know, he uh, yeah, he certified it. That is uh, the actual Manx that won, I think, four of the early Baja records. And uh, so we got to meet that car and that guy, and that was the first time we met Bruce. And uh, what a wonderful man. You know, we started talking about him, 92 years old, and still a pistol. And a great following. Yes, yes. I mean, you know, the guy is still so full of life. You know, he's, he's on his third book. He still draws. He was showing us the sketches in his place that he's done, these beautiful black and white body studies, not car bodies, but human bodies. And, of course, he always tells the the story of uh, how, you know, he was inspired, the shape of uh, the body for the Manx, the, the, the dune buggy shape, came out of him studying nudes and the lines of a woman's curves. And you're going to include this in the Legends of Baja. Yes. That's Where wonderful. Where we're at is, you know, so phase one's complete. We got the short film down, and we're out there. Phase two is to get enough uh, funding to transfer all of the original footage and build a documentary about it, really kind of focusing on McQueen and Garner's relationship, along with all the other drivers and just the beginnings and kind of wrapped in that you know, whole exotic location of, of Baja, although we may include a story or two in there because, like I said, both McQueen and Garner did race in the early Stardust races uh, outside of Vegas. And then Phase 3, which is kind of what I'm developing now, is to do a little six-part miniseries uh, and include not just the history of Baja, but really delve into the microculture of the people and the three generations, you know, long now of these these racers and these 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 crazy people with dust in their veins and speed in their heart and the search for adventure and what they go through. I mean, everybody from the Bryce Menzies and uh, you know and uh, the Rob McCachran all the way down to just you know the homemade uh, dad and his son in their garage coupling together a little buggy and taking it out there uh i think in in the mini theater we'll really be able to focus on just the the culture this off-road racing culture that exists and is getting stronger and bigger every year Right. The lifestyle that we all enjoy uh, right here on Off-Road Live, Igor K. of Baja Sun Films and the wonderful project Legends of Baja has been our special guest today on Off-Road Live. Can I, uh, I'd like to extend an invitation to you, Igor, to come on next week and we'll talk all about uh, the 92nd birthday party for Bruce Myers that we attended on Saturday. Yes. Yeah, that'd be great. Wonderful. Let's do that. Love but, but before uh, we uh, wrap up the show today, I'd like to also extend to you uh, the offer to reach out to uh, the interwebs uh, around the world. Anyone listening to the message and hearing this wonderful, wonderful project and story from Igor K. of Baja Sun Films, Igor, how can someone get a hold of you and participate in this wonderful vision? Well, uh, I welcome everybody to visit our website, which is www.bahasunfilms.com. That's Sun, S-U-N, not S-O-N. And on there, you will uh, certainly see a link. Uh, you'll see a feed of our Facebook page, which is the same name, Facebook slash Baja Sun Films. And, of course, uh, you can always visit our YouTube channel, uh, at uh, Baja Sun Films and just, you know, uh, reach out, uh, send a message. Uh, there's an email address that's right there on the website as well. And, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're always uh, love hearing from people in the audience and tell us your stories. Maybe somebody out there 
has some old pictures. Uh, maybe somebody does have another shot that, you know, that's never been published online of McQueen or Gardner or the Baha Booth or any of the old timers, or uh, you know, their own personal stories of. Uh, well, Igor, it's been an absolute privilege to have you on uh, our show today. Uh, I'm getting notes uh, from emails that are being sent to us and some texts. That this is Igor. You have been the most entertaining guest that we've had in the history of Off-Road Live. The the in, the input that we've received is not only of interest of the past, but also your vision of the future, which uh, people want to participate in. Well, thank you so much. And if I may, I can give you uh, the direct email link. All of our media uh, contacts and support is being handled by my co-producer Jane Linter. And you can reach uh, her and us at bahasunfilms.media at gmail.com. One more time. bahasunfilms.media at gmail.com. My wonderful co-producer, Jane Linter, will be uh, happy to send anybody who is interested our uh, press kit. We have some stills from the film, and we have some quotes and movie posters and things like that. So please visit us there. We absolutely will. And, Igor, we'll have you on again uh, next week, Monday, 4 West, 7 East, and we'll talk all about uh, Bruce Myers' 92nd birthday party at his residence and ranch. Uh, and um, we can't wait to hear uh, and see uh, some of the media that you'll be producing over the next week or so so that we can uh, uh, display uh, this wonderful lifestyle, uh, in particular the, the beach style that uh, Bruce represents uh, here in Southern California and, of course, Baja California. Uh, again, uh, Igor, thank you so much for your work, uh, your inclusion in our show today, and uh, we look forward to working with you in the future and, in particular, next week's show. Same here. I look forward to it. Oh, Bruce is such a wonderful guy, his wife and all the uh, guests of his birthday party. It was such a great time. We have uh, a lot to talk about there, including, shall I tease? Please. I there was an inaugural bottle, uh, vintage bottling of wine that's now called Old Red Wine, named after his original Myers Banks, that was unveiled at his birthday party. And uh, we shall have a virtual sampling of that on the air next Monday. Awesome. Well, uh, Igor K. of Baja Sun Films, thanks again. We look forward to having you on next week and a great tease uh, for next week's show. Uh, thanks so much for being on, and we'll see you then. All right. Take care, Mike. Take and care, everybody Igor. Everybody out there in Baja Racing News Live. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, folks, stay tuned. Another version of the outrage that continues off-road live. Yeah, all about the lifestyle that you and I love right here every Monday, 4 West, 7 East. The genuine, original off-road live with our friends Ram Trucks, Hard Rock, Marlboro, Budweiser, Red Bull, and of course... The Baja Racing Hall of Fame. Now, thanks to the Hall of Fame this week, we were in San Jose del Cabo at the uh, track race at the new Autodrome at uh, San Jose del Cabo. And we celebrated with all of our friends, our local friends, the Hall of Fame induction of Tono Hernandez. Mr. Hernandez, Senor Hernandez, was a wonderful representative of Baja Racing. 
He was a member of the Sports Council of La Paz, and I'll never forget it when we went down to La Paz and originally uh, brokered the idea of the Cabo 500. At the committee meeting, Senor Hernandez not only supported but propelled the Cabo 500 to where it ultimately ended, and that is continuing annual events in Los Cabos, Mexico. And if it wasn't for Senor Hernandez, uh, none of it would have taken place. He introduced us to all the local supporters of desert off-road racing in southern Baja. Thank you very much, Senor Hernandez and your family, for your introduction in southern Baja of off-road, and in particular, the Cabo 500. That message from the Baja Racing Hall of Fame, that induction will be noted on BajaRacingNews.com this week, as well as a new surprise induction in the next week to the Baja Racing Hall of Fame of our brothers and sisters, our soul friends of Baja California, Mexico. This is Monster Mike. Thank you very much for joining us this week on Off-Road Live. Tune in next week. We will have Baja Sun Films originator and Bruce Myers of the Myers Manx and, of course, the Legends of Baja Project with Igor K. on next week's show. Thanks very much for tuning in, folks. See you then. Off-Road Live is a Fox Sports radio affiliate.